Smarties, we are so excited to welcome back Adrienne Meldrum, the CEO and founder of Made for Math. Last week in episode 272, she taught us all about monthly sensory math, and this week we're talking about math accommodations. She breaks down accommodations into different categories, including input accommodations, procedural accommodations, verbal accommodations, and semantic accommodations. She also shares with us her accommodations generator, which can be found on her website, www.madeformath, which can help parents and clinicians figure out what accommodations are the next best step for their learners. Smarties, if you've been a longtime listener, you're new here, we would be honored if you would leave us a five-star review. It matters a lot to help other listeners potentially find the podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say about the work that we do here at Learn Smarter Podcast. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 273 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. <laughs> and Rachel timed that sip much better this time. I have a habit of taking a sip of something just as Steph is doing that intro. And I just saw the look on her face of being like, I can't believe you did it again. But it was fine, right? (laughs) (laughs) She swallowed it and then she said her name. It worked out. (laughs) So we are so excited to have Adrienne Meldrum back. She was here last week. And if you haven't listened to that episode, episode 272, we talked all about multisensory math and it was fantastic. So if you have a learner struggling in math, you need to go back and listen to that episode. We will link it in the show notes. So just to remind our audience, Adrienne, please tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I'm the CEO of Made for Math. We do all online multisensory math instruction and it's one of the best methods out there. I'm obsessed with it. I eat, breathe, and I think about it all the time. It's just one of the best things on this earth. So I highly recommend you come and check us out. I love it. Okay. So made for math. So we were talking about the approach that you guys have. And the thing that you said at the end of the last episode was sort of like the biggest bang for your buck, sort of talking about what parents need to know if you have a learner struggling in math. So today we're going to talk about accommodations and all of that. But I just want to remind our audience, at the very beginning, you said, let's have realistic expectations. And I think that's really important. So can you just go through really quickly and just give us a quick rundown list of the things that you were saying for parents if your learner is struggling in math? Yeah, absolutely. So what matters ultimately is what's the severity that we're dealing with here with the dyslexia, dyscalculia, whatever you're dealing with here, that matters. And it's a range of very mild to very severe. And then also what age did they get diagnosed with this? This is also really important. Sometimes we see kids getting diagnosed quite late, you know, 17, 18, sometimes even adults. So that matters as far as keeping the expectations real here. 17-year-old has a whole lot more ground to cover in mathematics than like an eight-year-old does. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to dig into. So the the remediation, the interventions might take longer. Consistency and instruction matters. So don't be tempted to hop from therapy to therapy. Don't deem something as not working if you haven't necessarily given it a chance to work. 
a lot of our kiddos start making progress, you'll see it more like the third month they work with us. Anxiety goes down almost immediately, but then you start seeing the progress around the third month mark. And so don't jump from therapy to therapy and avoid using ones that are just more of the same. We talked about avoiding big box tutoring centers for more in-depth intervention like Mathnasium, Kuma, and Sylvan. Those guys are doing more of the same of what your child is already exposed to at school. So opting for a multisensory method is going to serve your child better. Biggest bang for your buck is what we had talked about there. And then also, you don't need to do all the therapies. If you have a dyslexia diagnosis, calculia, you need to pick one at a time to tackle. So we always give the advice, do reading first, then do math. It, even an older student can make up quite a bit of ground because the brain's had time to develop. But reading skills, you've got to have those in place before you move forward. Fantastic. Okay, let's dig into it. I see that you've broken down accommodations into several different categories. So let's just power through them. So, and you can explain what you mean by the idea too. So what are input accommodations? What does that language mean? And then what are some of the accommodations that we can put in place as that are input ones? Absolutely. So when we think about accommodations, I think all of us therapists and other professionals, we see a lot of output, meaning the goals might be like, we'll give the kid a calculator, give them extra time on the test, give them copies of the teacher's notes, let the students sit up front. Like those are good. I'm not saying those are bad and you shouldn't do them, but we can do better. (laughs) So input accommodation is adjusting how the information is being taught. So a parent could advocate for manipulatives to be used for focus facts, which we talked about in the previous episode, and near point references. We also talked about those, letting the child have access to their notes that have graphic organizers or a bank of equations. So adjusting that helps the student have more opportunities for the right kinds of input to be put into their IEP plan. And so that's really helpful. So we broke down input accommodations into a couple categories. They're actually based on the work of Dr. Stephen Pfeiffer. He created the Pfeiffer Assessment of Mathematics, which is available through PAR Inc. I have a link I'll share with you if you want to go listen to him talk about this assessment. But he's a psychologist who was frustrated by the schools not necessarily taking neuroscience and applying it in the classroom. And so he ended up creating this assessment and has buckets basically. And so those buckets are procedural. So that means step-by-step things. So these are accommodations we would recommend to help a child who's struggling with step-by-step stuff. Verbal is the linguistic side. Math fact retrieval also lands in this bucket. And then we have semantic, the understanding how numbers actually work, the number sense, understanding place value. And then we added two more math anxiety and attentional support if they have ADHD. So, but today, just to keep things on the shorter side, we're just gonna focus on procedural, verbal, and semantic. But if you want math anxiety and attentional support, you can get more of that over at our website. Perfect, so let's talk about procedural support. So procedural is accommodations that are focused on supporting the student's ability to count, to order, to sequence numbers, and apply mathematical procedures. 
So near point references is what we talked about. So a graphic organizer that has visual cues to help a student remember the steps. So we have a graphic organizer for long division and it has buttons down the side. And so with the non-dominant hand, a left hand usually, a student can point and be able to say the signs as they go down to help them remember what step they're on. And we get it to the point, we scaffold it to the point where the student can just write this down on their piece of paper if they're doing a test and they have a near point reference that they made, they can't necessarily get in trouble for that. But you could, you know, try to get this accommodation put in so that your child doesn't necessarily have to do that, which I think is brilliant. Another thing we'll do is help students with mnemonics language to help them recall procedural steps. So when we're adding multiple digits to another multiple digit, let's say three digit plus another three digit, we say language like this. You start on the left and you say circle the sign so you can see that we're adding. So if we're subtracting, they would pay attention to that. Circle the sign, follow the line all the way over to the right. This is where we begin. That's important. Because a lot of our kiddos, especially that have dyslexia, struggle with the left to right. Mm -hmm. They struggle with knowing where to start, top to bottom. So saying things like circle the sign, follow the line, this is where we begin, helps them recall that procedural step. So you could put an accommodation inside that talks about mnemonics to help students remember, phraseology, those kinds of things. I talked about the division checklist, but we also have visuals that could go in a notebook to help older students. So I'm sure you've heard the acronym PEMDAS. Some people use GEMDAS. Just depends on what phraseology you want to do. But ours is in a really cool organized kind of pillar with the P at the top and an E for the exponent in the air. Then we have MD next down and then AS to help students remember what order they go in. And they have arrows to help them remember that M and D can be interchangeable. Same with adding and subtraction. It's left to right. And, and so you've got to pay attention to, I'm going left to right. And so they have arrows to help them remember that that's how we're going to attack this. This is the general flow, the procedural of parts of math. So those are examples of procedural type things. And so in an IEP referencing near point references, notes, those kinds of things can really help with the input for students. Hmm. Okay, what about verbal accommodations? So verbal accommodations are focused on supporting math fact retrieval and the language, so the linguistic side of mathematics. So we talked about in the last episode, focus facts. So you could request that teachers use focus facts. Now, I don't expect teachers to necessarily know what a focus fact is. But you could reference that podcast episode, write down basically what it is. But we want our child to have a narrow set of math facts that they're practicing in all of their work. Yes, it is more effort and time on the teacher's side. But if they would implement it with all students, they're going to see all students do better. So I love it when an accommodation could actually serve an entire class. Usually can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually can, right? Yeah. So that would be really great. And the other piece you could ask is to have explicit, consistent, detailed language. So asking them to be direct with that, right? Giving the student vocabulary and visuals to make meaning of the words that they're using in mathematics. So we talked about etymology being a really important part. So you could advocate for adding etymology and looking at the roots and the prefixes and suffixes. 
those kinds of things really help a student. And then also counting is really important. We want to participate in some sort of counting activity every day, but we want students to move beyond that as well. And so we could do the strings and beads together and have students practice the counting. But that also can be a near point reference. If the focus facts are threes, the student could have a string of threes on their desk at all times to help them recall those math facts. So there are things that you could have out for the student that are helpful. Beads might be a little more distracting in a classroom. It just depends on your classroom management style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, if you normalize that this is a tool, it can get easier over time. Those are just a few of the verbal accommodations that, that I would recommend. And then what about the semantic accommodations? So semantic is focusing on supporting those visual spatial aspects of mathematics, but also concepts like magnitude, place value, patterns, number sense. So some of the things that we could do that are really easy to put in an IEP would be to limit how many problems are on each page. I recommend no more than four Yes. Say it again for the people in the back. Yeah. Limit the (laughs) amount of problems per page. No more than four. Think of it like a quadrant on a page. Bigger font, please. 12 point font is not big enough for our kiddos. They need big font. That would be huge, easy accommodation to put in. You would be shocked at how much that helps. Yes. Gives them more room for writing and all of that. Another accommodation would be teaching them explicitly about composing and decomposing numbers and taking the time to show them how those numbers are built and giving them manipulatives as a near point reference and teaching concepts like place value with manipulatives is really important. And so again, just driving that home, request manipulatives in your IEP, leave it there. It's going to be hard. You might get some resistance, but it's really important that we try to get these things more normalized and into the classroom. So these are all fabulous and can be overwhelming as we've been talking about. So what can parents do if they want to figure out how to prioritize for their kids? So that can be tricky because every learning profile is extremely different. So to solve that problem, we created a tool called the Accommodations Generator. It's free. You go over there. You answer some questions about your child and how they show up in the world of mathematics. And as you're responding to these questions, what's happening in the background is a report is being built for you. And each page has specific ideas that you could take to your next IEP meeting or use it as a jumping off point to talk with your child's teacher or their therapist about things that you would really like to see with your child, things that you could try. So it'll be divided into each of those buckets, but then there's also that math anxiety and that attentional support as well. So it's about five pages long and has each of those things inside of it. And it's free and available on our website. What a great resource. That's awesome. Now's the perfect time to invite you to share with our audience how they can connect with you and find that. Sure. So if you go to madeformath.com up in the navigation bar, there is a dropdown and it has the accommodations generator right there. You'll be able to get there. I'll send the link to you guys so that people can just find it in the blog post or in the show notes here. 
it's all over our website. You should be able to navigate to the generator pretty easily. We'll link that in the show notes once you email it to us too. Adrian, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to be here today with our audience. And if you guys have more questions about multi-sensory math, she's the person to go and ask those questions to. So we've linked everything in the show notes and thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Yeah, I'm excited and thanks for having me. Smarties, have a really good week. Have a great week. Yay. (laughs) Have a great week.